Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Shirley Manson, garbage there, queer. It's five after four. You're on Interface on 3CR with James and MV. Happy Wear It Purple Day, everyone. We'll be talking to Brock Galway from Wear It Purple real soon. Uh, Ten past four, in fact, at 4.35. Queer musician William Elm joins us in the studio. MV, lots to look forward to. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show today. And also uh, another significant date today is International Overdose Awareness Day. So each year it's just a day to recognise and acknowledge that this is a thing that happens. It's very factual it's not condoning or condemning but it's just an opportunity to reflect on practical ways to prevent drug overdose and this morning on 3CR a team of people came onto the show to speak about International um, Overdose Day and they included people like Sion Crawford, Kate Shear, Adrian Ferrugia and Nico Clark and basically just speaking about the issues there so if you want to listen back 3cr.org.au forward slash keep left and that'll be available on demand for a week after initial broadcast. Great community broadcasting there. Alrighty. Up real soon, Brock Galway from Wear It Purple. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. We're on Interface on 3CR with James and MV. Well, today is Wear It Purple Day. Uh, it engenders pride and empowerment in young rainbow people. On the line, we have Brock Galway from Wear It Purple. He's from their organising committee. Welcome, Brock, to 3CR. Hi, how are you? Very, very well indeed. So Wear It Purple engenders pride and empowerment in young rainbow people. Tell us when and where the big day began. Purple Day unfortunately started from a bit of a sad case back in 2010. So there was numerous reports and stories going around of teens who were committing suicide, and there was one story in particular of a teen called Tyler Camonti who took his own life after being outed as gay. And from that story, there was two school students in New South Wales who decided to take her movement and really start something strong and empowering and moving. And from that we're at Purple Day where each year we celebrate this day to really try and create a movement that creates safe and equal harm, uh, harmony environments. So Brock, tell us the story about how you got involved in We're at Purple. I was actually working full-time at a law firm and the place that I wanted to get involved, uh, they, play, they wanted to get involved in the day and so we decided to celebrate the day and from there I looked further into the organisation and thought, this is something really beautiful. I wish this was in my own school and that I saw it when I was around. And so I reached out to the organisation and since then I've been on the board for now two years with We're at Purple and it's probably been the most exciting thing and it keeps me motivated, it keeps me driven and I love it. So tell us about We're at Purple's empowerment focus. So I think the Empower Together theme for this year's We're at Purple Day came about. We've looked at the past couple of months and the past couple of years and we've really seen a lot of the community come together and there's been a lot of empowering moments together with this. And whether it's for good or negative, it's all been together. And whether you're in the community or a straight ally, it's really been working towards a true goal. And so the Empowerment Together movement is 
about bringing people together, working towards our goal, which is to create safe and inclusive environments within the school. So tell us your favourite story about someone or something wearing purple. Oh, my God. You're really pulling a hard one there. There must be some cute stories. There is so many. I definitely think it's something that keeps in the back of my mind every single day. But I love watching so many schools reach out. And there was this one story that I heard of a youth who shared their own personal story. They said it was really beautiful to see a day like we're at Purple Day, so many people wearing purple to show their support. And it was that one day that keeps them here and keeps them alive. And through that, it was really strong and keeps me motivated to know that the day has such a strong impact. So this is the first Wear It Purple Day since marriage equality became law here in Australia. To what extent do you think the increased support in the mainstream media for the day uh, has been expressed this year, particularly from the business community? Have you noticed an increase uh, through the you know credentials and the bona fide of the business community backing uh, Wear It Purple because of that legitimacy through the law reform? There definitely has been a lot more support since the whole yes vote. We've definitely seen a very busy group this year working towards helping a lot of corporate environments and schools. But in saying that, the visibility is still something that needs to be shown and there's still so much further to go in terms of how the support is because although we've achieved that goal, there are still so many cases of education that's missing in the school systems or people that are creating discriminative environments and people that are still facing the bullying in schools. So... There's still a lot further to go in saying that, but we've definitely come a lot further than what we have. Have any supporters of Wear It Purple surprised you with their support? Um, Absolutely. I look at a lot of straight allies and even people within the community who, you know, have come out and shared their own personal story of how the Wear It Purple movement has helped them throughout their own day-to-day life. And it's really just empowering to see, and I would have to say it's our straight allies who really keep us motivated and keep us going because they are the backbone of support and really help the community a lot. And through their own support, it's really empowering to know that they're coming with us on this journey and that they're helping us out. Have you approached any organisations to support We're at Purple who have knocked you back? Uh, I wouldn't want to name them, but we probably do reach out to a lot to try and help them to not only help them, but help the youth. And obviously, we just understand that it's a very busy time, but some people just wish to remain on the back bench. But we're always there for them regardless, and they know where we are. So. Are, they, are they mainly businesses or religious organisations? Like, Can you give us a sense of their genre, of their, of their focus? We do try and reach out to a lot of businesses to encourage them. And I would have to say there's a lot of corporate organisations who definitely get behind and help support us on the day. Um, and I think prior to the whole yes vote, there were a lot of conservativeness around um, showing open support. But I think since then, there's been a lot more gain in support publicly. Um, so it's definitely been a great help. But in terms of the, re- the religious perspective, it's been, you know, something that we don't really go there with. You know, we want to help support everyone. Yeah, so I guess maybe in the future we'll see some churches, hopefully like the Catholic Church, for example, and others offering their support. That would be a wonderful thing. Now, look, um, I love your rainbow focus, uh, but I thought it was really interesting that in your in your Twitter handle you talk about empowering uh, young rainbow people, which I think is great. Why did you choose rainbow as opposed to LGBTIQ? 
there's so many acronyms we've seen. Yeah, I know. We just really want to be inclusive. There are so many people who we meet each day and they, you know, share their own story and journey. And regardless of how they identify and where they stand in the community, we just want to make sure that everyone is welcome, that they're here with us. Have you found that there's a greater focus this year for We're at Purple on gender diversity than there has been in previous years? Oh, absolutely. It's really one of the focuses that we've noticed that has become quite the forefront of the issues. So with gender, it's one of those um, topics that is coming up quite uh, often in Mm. our conversations. And it's really something that we should be talking a lot more of because it's still something that really needs to be educated on and people need to learn, even in terms of the acronyms that they use in conversation. Totally. Brock, where can people go to get more information about We're at Purple and your activities today? I would definitely suggest reaching out to us on social media or checking out our website. It has our background, our story. And if you want to reach out and find out more of how you can get involved, you can, we're always here to have a conversation. Awesome. Great stuff. Brock Galway from We're at Purple, thank you so much for joining us today on 3CR. And congratulations. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a great day. Celebrating. You too. Brock Galway there from We're at Purple, 18 after 4. You are on In Your Face on 3CR. And here is Joni Mitchell. Jodie Mitchell, Chelsea Morning, 20 after 4. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV. Well, MV, the Australian government has effectively denied a visa to Chelsea Manning, who is due in Australia on Sunday, due to speak in Sydney on Sunday, was meant to be coming to Melbourne. Uh, The Australian government has issued a notice of intention to deny her a visa. A lot of disappointed people. Yeah, and look, I mean, what, what's the, what's the outcome for Chelsea at this point? Like, they've denied her the the visa. Yeah. So, I mean, what happens to all the stuff that she's done and and prepared here? Like, what what has been the resolution for Chelsea at this point? Well, they haven't definitely said that they have barred her from entering the country, but they've they've outlined their intent to do so. Uh, she's not just scheduled to come to Australia, so even if she is barred, the trip wouldn't be completely wasted because she's due to be in New Zealand and speaking Wellington on September 9, the New Zealand government has confirmed, has given Chelsea special dispensation to apply for a visa, effectively giving her the green light to enter New Zealand. So once again, you know, a huge contrast in, in the human rights approach between New Zealand and, and Australia. Uh, you know, many people regard Chelsea as a whistleblower. Others, um, there was a very alarming report in the ABC saying that she wasn't. Of course, Chelsea was... Uh, convicted by court martial in 2013 for violating the US Espionage Act uh, and was sentenced to 35 years in prison, served seven. Uh, that was commuted by Barack Obama last year. But, you know, many people regard what she did as a human rights issue, a freedom of speech issue, uh, and to highlight the atrocities of the Coalition of the Willing, particularly the US government, in relation to what was happening in Iraq and Afghanistan. And some of the material that Chelsea leaked included videos of the July 2007 Baghdad airstrike and the 2009 Granai airstrike in Afghanistan, uh, leaked 251,000 US diplomatic cables, uh, and 
and 482,000 army reports. All of these, of course, became known as the Iraq War Logs and the Afghan War Diary. That's incredible. Over, (laughs) I can't believe it, over 251,000 US diplomat cables and over 482,000 army reports. That's that's a lot of um, material given to WikiLeaks. I read an article uh, this week, MV, where Chelsea said, well, look, she tried to release it to, you know, so-called reputable uh, mainstream media outlets in the US and they were just too slow. I thought another really interesting thing that I've read, obviously, in relation to Chelsea coming here is that people are saying that she's paved a way and opened up commentary and dialogue in relation to these types of issues as well, like uh, whistleblowing, but also like um, showing the corruptness of of government. So it's kind of like she's paved this way so that other people can do it. It's almost like a beacon of hope. It was really interesting commentary and a really interesting um, comment. I probably haven't like, you know, I probably haven't said it in the most eloquent words, but a lot of people have said like it's opened up that discourse, which hadn't she not done this, had she not done this, this probably wouldn't have sort of come out into the light that it has now. So I suppose that a lot of people are viewing her as, a, you know, as you said, a human rights activist and, and as a hero. Absolutely. And of course, Chelsea is getting on with her life. She did run in a US primary in Maryland, uh, took on the incumbent US senator for, for Maryland, came second in the primary out of seven or eight candidates and now earns her living speaking internationally and, you know, around the US on the public speaking tour. Uh, looks like she won't be allowed into Australia, which is disappointing and, of course, highlights hypocrisy uh, in relation to certain you know, people being allowed to come in, like au pairs and other people <laughs> who perhaps have more credentials not being allowed in, such as Chelsea Manning and, of course, the hideous plight of so many refugees languishing in Nauru and Manus who aren't allowed to come to the country, uh, including many who have horrific health issues uh, and no compassion from this government. So, you know, there's a lot of double standards going on at the moment, MV. Totally. Couldn't agree more. I think 3CR is the voice of the people speaking back to the establishment and telling them what they think and sometimes it's something they don't want to hear. Thank you. 
music of William Elm and uh, that track was called Echo. It's 436 from In Your Face on 3C. I'm James. I am joined in the studio by William Elm. Their new album, Spectrum, is out. You've been busy. Yeah. Hello. Good afternoon. It's great <laughs> to see you. Now, let's talk about Spectrum. How would you describe Spectrum and uh, doesn't include any new musical genres that perhaps you haven't explored previously? Yeah. So Spectrum is an amalgamation of two EPs that I'd released previously um, it goes through sort of this, uh, like the track you heard earlier, sort of minimalism, pulsating sort of stuff, but then also goes into drone and noise. Um, the, I, I've amalgamated them and also released two new tracks with the full-length album, um, both called Wake and Sleep. Uh, 
so sleep sort of explores a bit more of like the horror sort of noise sort of stuff uh goes into like sleep paralysis sort of uh noise stuff that i wanted to explore wow okay i was going to ask you about recurring themes sleep paralysis (laughs) like what's happening there yeah uh so just lots of bass drones you know when you get sleep paralysis and it feels like something's on your chest and and uh heavy breathing and i i wanted to explore it with uh synthesizers and try and capture the and i can capture the feeling of of that of those moments now you've got me thinking of of twin peaks mm-hmm. we we're talking off mic about yeah. there's a couple of things i want to ask you first of all yeah. tell us about the twin peaks cover band you're performing with soon um, so they're called Beautiful Dark. Um, I've got a few shows coming up with them, specifically uh, next week, Friday, at Lyrebird Lounge uh, in Ripponlea, and as well as at uh, David Lynch Party, which is at the Cactus Room in Thornbury on October 12. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to play with them. They play all covers from the show and the, and the movie, so I'm really excited. Now, MV's been telling me that you did a burlesque night at Hare Hole uh, yeah. with a Twin Peaks kind of, you know, theme happening. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, it was my first foray into burlesque and performing in that manner. Um, and I came out all wrapped in plastic and and sort of did a Laura Palmer-inspired inspired sort of uh, routine. Look, I was such a Twin Peaks fan when it came out in 1989. I was so kind of, you know, excited but disappointed with David Lynch for the ending. All of those kind of, you know, themes coming together and then, you know, hours and hours and hours and then no conclusion. And then, of course, you know, 30 years later almost Mm. or 20-something years later, of course, we had the the new season of it come out. And the only thing I liked about it was Kyle MacLachlan having a makeover and looking like Bob. But the rest <laughs> yeah. of it was just so disappointing. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can understand that. I think uh, he definitely likes to leave us on edge with Twin Peaks. Now, Spectrum. Let's get back mm. to that. You're you're an Indigenous person. Yes. Uh, how has your Indigenous background and culture and heritage influenced your your music on Spectrum? Uh, so I grew up um, in Cubby Cubby, uh, which is on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Um, I grew up there, uh, learning crobbery and and the music and dance and things like that. And um, I think it influences uh, my music, specifically Spectrum, in that there's a lot of drone um, and a lot of influence from um, Indigenous music in that way. And I think that um, in yearning to create a sound, I yearn to create music that's from Australia that's from this land. Um, I think the sound of this land is very much embedded into the music of, of, you know, our First Nation people. Are there any instruments in particular that are especially conducive to capturing the energy and the sound of the land? Um, I think uh, the yidiki or the didgeridoo um, is definitely one of them. Um, I think really heavy uh, bass synthesizers as well sort of encapture it. and I think even in a way the accordion does, um, if you sort of manipulate the sound to create drones and, and things like that, I think it can sound quite Australian. Now, what's your favourite track on Spectrum and why? Um, I think my favourite one is uh, called Shift. It's an eight-minute song. Um, and I like it. I love it just because uh, the lines that the violinist Jeremy Jwerub, who's on the record, um, creates is just, they're just magical and yeah, his improvisations on it, are, yeah, I just love them. I, I love when other people create stuff on my music, and that's what I love most. I'm glad you mentioned Jeremy because I'm going to ask you about him. Um, mm. 
very talented musician. Yes. Tell us more about his work on Spectrum. Uh, and also, is he going to be in your live shows? <laughs> uh, so he was at, he actually played with me for my Spectrum 2 EP launch. Um, he, we're in a couple of bands together already, um, and we're very close friends. So he plays uh, keyboards, violin, bass, um, and I was very excited to have him on Spectrum because he he and I love improvising and really like creating stuff. So I just told him not necessarily what to play, but just sort of the feeling and things like that. And he definitely created, you know, great worlds. I don't think you could count how many instruments combined <laughs> the two of you can play. Like, I don't think you could do that off your fingers straight away, <laughs> could you? No, probably not. No. So you're obviously a bit of a musical genius. Was there a track on Spectrum that was particularly hard to record? And if so, which one and why? Hmm. Um, to record. Or just to play on. Just to play it would probably be like most of the accordion tracks because I live in West Footscray, which is right underneath the um, plane, underneath the planes. So right. every 15 minutes I would just get a... That must really piss you off. Yeah. So I had to time, I had to time my recording um, to the planes and also like edit them out and things like that. Wow. Yeah. Now, look, you have uh, performed with Mama Elto, who mm-hmm. loves loves their cabaret, loves yep. singing the blues. Yeah. Can we expect uh, any more musical collaborations? And can we expect a recording? Um, yeah. So I'm actually Mama Elto's associate artist, which means that whenever she needs a, an accompanist in Melbourne, I'm I'm there. I'm you know with my keyboard ready to go. And yeah, maybe we'll create some more recordings in the future hopefully. because her her vocals with your music mm. and her range mm. could really take you somewhere you know musically mm. couldn't it yeah definitely yeah about it. yeah yeah wow that's very 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 exciting indeed so tell us more about these live gigs you've got coming up uh so i've currently got three on the back burner um next week friday at Liburn lounge in ripon lee um and then I've also got. I'm also part of a Melbourne Fringe show called Nico, which is about the singer from Velvet Underground um, on September 14th to 16th. I'm not only oh, wow. with uh, with Forest Collective uh, at the Lithuanian Club. I'm not only playing in it, but I've also created a lot of arrangements for the Chamber Ensemble, which I'm really excited about um, because it's my first phrase into that sort of large scale uh, composing. Um, so that's on, and then I've also got uh, two more solo sets Thursday, September 20th at the Yarra Hotel. Uh, that's supporting Aidan Rolf. And then again, October 12th at the Cactus Room is a David Lynch party with Beautiful Dark and uh, Eat Pant and Effigy of Jean. I'm fascinated by the Velvet Underground. What can you tell us about mm. Nico? What can you tell us about that story? Um, so Nico is actually kind of connected to one of my favourite composers, Lamont Young. So Lamont Young played with John Cale and then John Cale founded the Velvet Underground and then played with Nico. So it's through that connection that I sort of uh, fell in love with Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, and so we've got a fabulous cabaret singer coming in and sort of uh, being Nico. And, oh, wow. And so we've we've sort of taken a you know, traditional chamber ensemble and sort of put a little bit of a punk rock twist to it, which should be fun. So... Punk Velvet Underground uh, covers? Yeah, essentially, wow. yeah. Very, and, very and, exciting. And also Nico's solo work and, yeah, her compositional stuff as well. Well, you work with so many, you know, diverse 
artists. Mm. Is it hard to kind of go from one to the next and kind of, you know, get yourself focused? Or do you just find that you do that really easily? I imagine you do because you play so many instruments. Yeah, so I play everything from folk to noise punk. So I really love I really love going into different genres and, and encapsulating the space and understanding why they encapsulate the space in which they do in the sort of musical, like musical climate sort of thing. And so... Yeah, it's really it's really fun. It keeps me on my toes, which is, you know, what you want as an artist is to just be constantly just sort of really excited by music. Look, I imagine which one you're into varies from minute to minute, but right yeah. now, which one's your favourite? Um, oh, probably my own stuff, actually. Um, I've been writing some new stuff and I've just been like really relishing in the writing process and figuring sounds out and things like that, so... Your new album, Spectrum, is amazing. How can people mm-hmm. get a copy? Um, it's on Bandcamp. That's williamum.bandcamp.com. Um, and also I'm planning on uh, distributing it on Spotify and iTunes in the future, hopefully. Wow. William Elm, give us a plug for your website. Uh, if you go to williamelm.bandcamp.com, you can find like all my music there. There's like uh, a few albums, a few EPs, there's lots of songs there and then you can also find my facebook and stuff through that website so if you go there there's everything on there thanks for coming in this afternoon <laughs> it's you. always great to see you thank we're going to play a track of yours from spectrum it's mm-hmm. a beautiful track it's called wake
We have William Elm in the studio playing two of their tracks as well, Echo and Wake, and check out their new album, Spectrum. It's pretty amazing. And thanks to Brock Galway from Work Purple. Have a great Work Purple uh, day, everybody. Evening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.